Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, December 12th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, before we get started, I wanted to first, uh, I I don't know if condolences is the right word because uh, fortunately no one was killed, but obviously we can't talk about Broadway without uh, discussing the attempted terrorist attack that happened uh, around the Port Authority bus station uh, yesterday morning at Times Square, the 42nd Street uh, stop. Thankfully, um, nobody was injured and they caught the perpetrator. All Broadway shows, the few, the, you know, the handful of shows that had Monday shows scheduled, they went on as scheduled. But fortunately, um, this could have been a lot worse. I'm glad that it was not. And uh, for all of you that live in New York City, and, and I just applaud your resilience uh, of putting up with this kind of crap on a fairly regular basis and still being able to go about your life living in the greatest city in the world. Well, you know, being uh, I, I, I think that the best way to defeat terrorism is to show them how great it is to live in a great city of the world like New York. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, sad that this uh, this is happening so often here, and we're having to talk about it as often. But fortunately, as you said, we're we're fortunate that nobody got hurt. So. Um, on a lighter note, uh, did you see our uh, Twitter mentions? Uh, somebody t- tweeted at us this hysterical, hysterical tweet. They're making SpongeBob into a Broadway. So, I don't know uh, what that means. No, I don't know what it is either. But they tweeted at us. They're making SpongeBob into a Broadway. Correct. That is, it's in a theaters Broadway. now. Yeah, into a Broadway. And then they correct that it's in theaters, plural now. All right. I'm scrolling so, through our mentions right now, and I have no. I, I'm trying to find it. So let's uh, see. Uh, mm. Top one. You're a oh, wizard right now. Our, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I, you know, tweeted us. We this uh, brings us much enjoyment. <laughs> All right. Maybe it's in your mentions because I don't see it on the Broadway radio stuff. Uh yeah. It's in fact uh, not not only that, but they they added you, they added me, and they added SpongeBob Broadway. How long ago was this? I don't see it at all. Uh, it looks like it was uh, two hours ago. Oh, I don't have it for some reason. Hmm. Weird. Okay. Maybe your in- one of your interns already disposed of it. <laughs> it could be. Very well could be. <laughs> Get back to work. You have, you have more interns than Jennifer Ashley Tepper. No, I do not. That's not true. They're, they're all on break between semesters. <laughs> all right. First up in the news, Lincoln Center's My Fair Lady finds new principals. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, the Lincoln Center Theater announced three new castings to add to the upcoming Bartlett Shear directed revival of the Learner and Low classic My Fair Lady. Joining Lauren Ambrose, Harry Hayden Patton, who Norbert Leo Butts and Dame Diana Rigg will be Jordan Donica as Freddie Einsford Hill, Alan uh, Cordiner as Colonel Pickering and Linda Muggleston as Mrs. Pierce. Donica is playing uh, the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson currently in the national tour of Hamilton. It's been in L.A. for like four months. Cordiner was last seen earlier this year as famed detective Hercule Poirot in the world premiere of Ken Ludwig's adaptation of Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. And Muggleston is 
is currently the understudy for Dollar, Dolly Gallagher Levi in Hello, Dolly! at the Schubert Theater. In total, when the show begins performances at the Vivian Beaumont Theater on March 15th, the cast will include 37 people, so a very big, luxurious cast uh, that Mr. Shear has put together. James, I, I find this, this casting pretty interesting. We finally get an actor of color in this show, uh, which... We know this is something that I've wanted since before they announced any of the casting, but it's Donica as Freddie, the the part that to me doesn't need to be cast with somebody uh, of color as much. Um, and there really aren't any big names, even from a theater perspective. These these are names that people you know probably know and are familiar with and might recognize their faces, but they're not even theater names. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised about that. I'm surprised they didn't get anybody with a little bit higher Q score. But then again, perhaps they're just banking on the fact that the name My Fair Lady or even Lincoln Center Theater or Bart Shear will be enough to sell this. I mean, I think when Norbert Leo Butts is your biggest star name, that's great for us Broadway folks because there are very few people that I enjoy watching perform on stage or screen more than Norbert. But that's not the you know, uh, Josh Groban or Bette Midler style style name that we've seen some of these shows employ in recent years. Bart obviously has never really done that other than maybe Ken Watanabe, who's not, you know, he's a, he's an Academy Award nominated actor, but he's not like a Tom Cruise. So, uh, I don't know. I, I'm a little surprised that they didn't, you know, get, get our friend, uh, you know, Bryce Pinkham in there or something like that. Another theatery name. You don't think that Lauren Ambrose got a higher Q score than, you know, the other Dame Diana Rigg? Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe Diana Rigg. But again, she's one of those people that she's not Helen Mirren. She's not Judi Dench. Mm -hmm. Um, She's known from Game of Thrones, but she's like the fourth or fifth or sixth biggest star on that show and i'm including the dragon ahead of her um so i don't think she's bringing people into the theater and i don't think lauren ambrose is really i mean she's she's been on the x files uh, this past season and she's going to be on it this season in this this reboot but other than that she's really not done a whole lot since six feet under went off the air like a decade ago so i mean with norbert leo butts doing tv and movies and obviously a two-time tony winner i think he's the biggest star and that's awesome because I I love Norbert, but it's, I'm just a little surprised they didn't get somebody with a little bit more recognition outside the theater district. Is this scheduled as a limited run or is it open-ended? It is scheduled open-ended. Huh. All right. So it's not like they want to, uh, you know, uh, have an ending date in sight and then just extend to open-ended. They're going for it right here. Yeah. So that's interesting, well, too, that I what mean, you're saying. Yeah, well, I mean, it could have something to do with it. Maybe they wanted to run for as long as possible, and they could... I mean, we heard rumors about other people that wanted to be in this show, or they wanted to be in this show, and maybe they were hesitant to to commit for more than you know four months or whatever a normal limited run was and if lincoln center wanted this to be open-ended they said ah you know what i'm a big star i got other stuff to do i don't want to do the show for a year so maybe that has something to do why they went the direction of having fairly you know maybe recognizable people but not big heavy hitting names you know uh carrot top is freddie onsford hill <laughs> the prop comedy and on the street where you live would be amazing <laughs> Dude, he's huge. Have you seen him recently? He's he's swole. Like he's been working out. Like he's frighteningly large. Oh, I I I've seen pictures of him, and all I could think was steroids. Much, 
but you know, I have nothing, yes. you know, he just looks just strange. He, he looks strange. Yeah. Yeah. But more strange. <laughs> more strange. All right. Uh, last week's Broadway grosses. What happened there? Well, things were pretty good on Broadway last week. Uh, we had a little bit decline after Thanksgiving, and they're back up for the holiday season with total receipts coming out at the fifth highest number of the 2017 calendar year. And that is $35,260,255, a 17.6% increase over the previous week, and a 12.45% increase over this week last year. There was one new show on the boards last week, Farnelli and the King, and Bruce Springsteen returned after a week off as well. 26 of Broadway's 30 eligible shows saw saw week-to-week increases, with The Lion King, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Aladdin leading the way, all above 150K. See if you can figure out what those three shows have in common. I bet you can. Uh, Farnelli and the King, which played seven shows in its first week on Broadway, did a very healthy $767,377. James, one of the things that we were most interested in uh, last week was to see how after the strong reviews, how Once on this Island and SpongeBob, Sp- SpongeBob SquarePants were impacted when it came to the, to the grosses. As we said at the time, it would probably take at least two grosses cycles. Um, but they did both see increases as Once on this Island moved up 148000 to one, uh, $154,614. They had a full week following their previous Sunday opening. SpongeBob was a little different since it opened early last week and had to contend with comps and second night press, uh, but it still moved up a rather nice $69,000 to 652246 Both are still, I think, a little bit lower than many people would like to see, especially in such a robust week. But the proof will be in the pudding if the reviews have any impact over the next few weeks, and then especially after the tourists leave post-holidays. Per the huge, Hamilton led the grosses with $2,909,306, followed by Hello, Dolly at $2.5 million, Springsteen at $2.4, Lion King at $2.3, and Wicked at $1.9. The rest of the substantial million-dollar club included Dear Evan Hansen, Aladdin, Come From Away, The Book of Mormon, Waitress, The Band's Visit, Beautiful, so I told you this show would do well in the fall. The Phantom of the Opera and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The seasonal classic Home for the Holidays did post its best week on Broadway yet, but it was still under $92,000 for the week with an average ticket price at $32 and two pennies. The next five shows on the bottom of the grosses ladder are all plays. The Children, which did its first and only full week of previews at $234,714. Then M. Butterfly, the play that goes wrong. Latin history for morons and junk. M. Butterfly was the only show of the three in the red week over week that declined by more than $4,500 as it decreased $18,308 last week. James, I guess tis the season for musicals, especially of the family-friendly variety. So we chatted about this briefly earlier today. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that um, that Hamilton might not be the leader in the grosses on the weekending uh, Sunday, January 14th. <laughs> yes, do you want to fill people in why that might be something um, of an anomaly there? Well, it seems as though that there will be a ninth performance of uh, this show, Hello, Dolly. And uh, and this afternoon, I was offered the opportunity to purchase tickets to this performance at $10,000 per seat. 
Hmm. Now, uh, I assume that this, since this is, as you said, the ninth performance, this is the Actors Fund performance that was already announced, I assume? Yes. So does that factor into the grosses? Uh, I think it, I think they will, I think they will try to put it in there and I think that they will try to break that $3 million mark or 3.5 million at that, at that level or... Yeah, I don't know how that I don't know how that works, because obviously they are taking the money in. They just turn around and donate it and they're doing nine performances. So they've got to pay. I don't know how that works with the equity contracts. But if they are selling tickets at ten thousand dollars a pop, I would imagine they will be very close to breaking the three million dollar mark where only Hamilton dares to tread on a regular basis. Now, any listeners out there, if um, you do want to see this ninth performance and you don't know how to get these ten thousand dollar seats, you know, tweeted us or you know send us an email we'll help you connect you to the right people there yeah but only if you take one of us <laughs> no i'm just kidding i'm not I, coming up i want to go see bernadette i want to go I, see I, the I, next one bernadette and victor is like yeah. the most like i was having this conversation with some colleagues earlier today i don't see things very often like i've seen i'm not peter felicia but i've seen you know about 500 different performances in my life and i very rarely see a show or especially uh, uh, the same production of a show multiple times this would be one that i would go back and see i loved donna murphy loved 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 donna murphy but i've always been a huge fan of both victor garber and bernadette peter so this is one that when i'm in town in uh, in march if i am able to kind of fit in another chance to the sh- to go over to the schubert i definitely will uh, that's interesting that you ha- you don't see repeated shows. Weren't you a big Rent fan back in the day? I was. I, I Rent is the one that leads the way. I've seen Rent nine different times, but a lot of those you got to remember. This show was big when I was in college, so like every organization that I was a part of, if they did something, uh, we went and saw Rent. Like I, I yeah. went to see it in Indianapolis one time with a group. I went and saw it on a uh, spring break trip in New York uh, with Rent. I saw it in high school um, on a spring break trip. So I love Rent. I've seen seen it on Broadway, I think, twice. I've seen tours uh, five times, and I've seen two regional productions of it. I walked out of one of them, though. <laughs> Interesting. It was awful. It was terrible. <laughs> All right. What's up in the show and casting news? Well, yesterday it was announced that to celebrate Leonard Bernstein's centennial birthday, the National Symphony Orchestra would produce a star-studded three-night concert production of West Side Story, starring Corey Cott as Tony, Soleil Pfeiffer as Maria, Anna Villafanier as Anita, Ephraim Sykes as Riff, and Joel Perez as Bernardo. You might remember that Pfeiffer, who is currently playing Eliza in the Hamilton tour, also played Maria straight out of college in the Hollywood Bowl concert last year, opposite another former Laura Osnes leading man Jeremy Jordan. The concert will take place at the concert hall at the Kennedy Center from February on February 14th, 16th and 17th of next year. And tickets are on sale now. Also yesterday, we learned that in a recent appearance on the Howard Stern show, Alec Baldwin mentioned that he was thinking about bringing his Emmy nominated portrayal of Donald Trump to Broadway for a very limited run. Baldwin recently published a book in that character called You Can't Spell America Without Me, and the idea would be to turn that into a one-man show with his co-writer Kurt Anderson. Now, Baldwin's portrayal of Trump is property of Saturday Night Live and the production company Broadway Video, but Lorne Michaels, who is 
producer of Saturday Night Live, obviously, and who is also producing Mean Girls this season, has given his approval for the character to make the move to Broadway, where he will also be producing that show if it does end up happening. This, of course, wouldn't be the first time that an SNL presidential performance made its way to Broadway following Will Ferrell's You're Welcome, America, which I believe uh, this I didn't look this up because I didn't think about it till I was just saying this. But I think that was the last show to win the what was it? The special event, Tony James? Is that what it was called? Special theatrical event? Oh, uh, I don't know if it was the last one. Let's see. But is that the category? 2009. Let's see. You welcome America. Uh it's it's interesting in IBDB it says 2009 Tony Ward best special best special theatrical event it says you're welcome America nominee it Oh okay say, so it didn't win okay. Well what else would have won that year uh, Was I'm, that the same year as 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 um uh, as Stretch Live at uh, Liberty No Stretch Live at oh, uh, I think Live at Liberty was much longer ago uh, yeah, because that was, let's see, Tony. We're both, ta- we're both typing at the same time and we're yeah. not very good at this. <laughs> oh yeah. Live, live at Liberty was 2002. Yeah. Uh, see, this is why, this is why I try to write out a script ahead of time because I don't know what I'm actually talking about. Mm-hmm. We should put out our own work and, uh, <laughs> things like that. What, so what was the 2009 winner? I'm trying to find the terrible Tony Awards website here. Winners, search past winners, year 2009. Let's oh, I'm going to beat you. Submit. I'm going to beat you. That was Liza's at the Palace. Ah, so he didn't even, he, I, mean, I mean, just should I knew have it was a. Yeah, I knew it was a gay icon in a in a show. So the nominees Slava Slava Snow Show. Oh my god. Oh my god. Solo the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Solo Shaolin and You're Welcome America. So they had four best special theatrical events. Wow, we got off on a tangent here, didn't we? (laughs) We really you can edit all of this out. This is awful. All right. So let's keep moving forward into the band's visit cast album to be released on Friday. Yeah. Yesterday, Ghost Light Records announced that the original Broadway cast recording of the band's visit will be available both in digital and streaming formats beginning on December 15th. The physical CD will be in stores and at the theater in early 2018. The album uh, obviously is of the show that's really the most critically acclaimed show uh, musical of the season thus far features the music of David Yazbek. It's produced by Dean Chernow, Yazbek, and of course, Kurt Deutsch as the executive producer. Um, James, this is one that I think a lot of people are going to be really excited about. This is a show that, as we've talked about, isn't uh, a big showy song and dance musical like some of the other shows that we've seen in this season so far, especially, you know, SpongeBob or Once on This Island or what we're getting with Frozen or Mean Girls or anything. But this seems like a show that will be a very good listen, almost like, you know, a Nora Jones album or, you know, something that's a little bit more in- introspective and you can kind of just sit and let it wash over you. I'm really looking forward to getting this album. I'm really excited about it. Um, I, I talked about this when I saw uh, the band's visit that uh, the, 
this is going to be a great year for cast cast recordings. I mean, Once on this Island, the band's mm-hmm. visit, even uh, the SpongeBob recording. I, we have a lot of really good recordings coming out this year. It's going to be a great one. Hey, did you hear about Kurt Deutsch? Uh, his other uh, uh, his his other uh, venture. No, I have not. He opened up a vineyard in California. Really, at Oceano Wines. O c e a n o Wines. Uh, OceanoWines.com. Uh, and Kurt is branching out. So uh, after the theater, you can have some Oceano Wines <laughs> and then listen to some cash recordings. So he's, Seriously. <laughs> the whole thing is all there. <laughs> all right. Uh, theater stars among 75th annual Golden Globe nominees. Yeah, there are quite a few. I'm going to run through as many of them as I can as possible. I am sure that I don't I'm going to miss somebody who has a theater connection, but I'll just kind of run through them. I'm not even going to do the categories. I'm just going to tell you who was nominated. If you want to see everybody who was nominated in the categories that they're in, I'll have a link in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. So we've got Claire Foy for The Crown, Maggie Gyllenhaal for The Deuce, Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale, James Franco for The Disaster Artist, Hugh Jackman for The Greatest Showman, Army Hammer, Call Me By Your Name. The fact that he was on the red carpet for that show is how we know he's coming to Broadway this year. Christopher Plummer and All the Money in the World, he did these scenes at the very last minute replacing Kevin Spacey. They've completely spliced out Kevin Spacey from this movie and replaced him with Christopher Plummer. Sam Rockwell from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Allison Janney from I, Tanya, Lori Metcalf from Lady Bird. Liev Schreiber for Ray Donovan. Timothy Chalamet from Call Me By Your Name. Daniel Day-Lewis from The Phantom Thread. Tom Hanks, The Post. Gary Oldman, The Darkest Hour, Denzel Washington from Roman J. Israel Esquire, Judy Dench, the aforementioned Judy Dench from Victoria and Abdul, the aforementioned Helen Mirren from The Leisure Seeker, Saoirse Ronan from Lady Bird, Emma Stone, The Battle of the Sexes, Jessica Chastain, Molly's Game, Frances McDormand, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Meryl Streep, The Post, Michelle Williams, All the Money in the World, Robert De Niro, Wizard of Lies, I'm Not Done, uh, Jude Law, The Young Pope, Ewan McGregor Fargo, Jeffrey Rush, Genius, and Dowd, The Handmaid's Tale, Alfred Molina, Feud, uh, Betty and Joan, Christian Slater, Mr. Robot, Nicole Kidman, Big Little Lies, Jessica Lange, Feud, Betty and Joan, Rachel Brosnahan, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which Caitlin Milligan has been recommending on this show before. So check that out. And finally, William H. Macy from Shameless. Seth Meyers will host the 75th annual Golden Globe Awards that will air on NBC on Sunday, January 7th from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, as well as 5 to 8 Pacific time, so it will be live across the country. Um, James, as you know, I assume the Golden Globes are uh, a part of the Hollywood foreign press, so a lot of times what they like and what a lot of Americans like are very hit or miss, so there's some very interesting things in here, some things that I always enjoy because they tend to get things that the Emmys or the Oscars overlook but there's some very weird things in here so uh maybe jen and i'll talk about it on some like a pop at some point but um but yeah the golden globes are always a fun one though did you see james franco and saturday night saturday night live this week i did not no i don't really watch saturday night live but i did see the disaster artist and that's a very very good movie yeah i'm always back and forth on him uh, sometimes I really like him and stuff, and sometimes I'm like, what is he doing? But uh, 
I'm back on the I like him again kick. Uh, I really enjoyed him on Saturday, Saturday Night Live this weekend. It was really a, fun. Yeah, he's a strange dude, but yeah. I'll always have always have a fondness for him because he did join my favorite soap opera, General Hospital, as a character named Franco, where he played a homicidal serial killer um, artist, and on the show, his mother was played by his actual mother. It was so meta. And now somebody else plays Franco, but that's a whole other story. But um, so, you know, I got to give him some cred for just just deciding after being an Oscar nominee and a huge star to say, hey, I'm going to do a soap opera for a year. Whatever. (laughs) All right. What's up in the recommendation section? All right. I've got two things. The first is a New York Times article from Michael Paulson that looks at the really unusual road that Hadestown is taking to Broadway. They talk about the fact that, as James, you and I know all too well, um, it's being produced at the Citadel Theater in <laughs> Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Um, and that the fact that we've screwed that up before is actually part of the article. Now, he doesn't reference us, but the, it, they talk about the fact that this is not a place that normally a show would do an out-of-town tryout. But they go into how they made it happen, why this was of particular interest to the producers of the show um, to go all the way to Edmonton uh, to have an out-of-town tryout and all the things that go into it, how the Citadel Theater is trying to become a destination for out-of-town tryouts. It's really interesting. It's something that I didn't would never have thought about. Um, they said the the producer, the artistic director of the Citadel Theater said the next time they do one of these, they're going to have to have somebody on their staff who is specifically tasked with being the liaison for the production because they didn't really have anybody handling the I don't know, the immigration paperwork, the the work visas, all of those things. And that they didn't even think about that being such a huge deal. So um, it's been a learning experience. But the show closed um, about nine days ago, um, about 10 days ago by the time this comes out, um, nine or 10 days ago. Um, and they're still thinking about whether it'll have another out-of-town tryout or if they'll bring it to New York in the fall. But um, very interesting to see kind of the inside baseball stuff of how this show um, is making its way to Broadway. And then uh, the other one that I wanted to recommend is Dear Evan Hansen put out this video yesterday or Sunday was the fan day for Dear Evan Hansen. We talked about they did the show with um, I think every seat was free or something. Uh, But they released this video of a virtual choir singing You Will Be Found. They are basically just Dear Evan Hansen fans from around the world singing to a track of You Will Be Found. And they did this great, remarkable edit where they're all singing together. It's really, really beautiful. So check that out if you haven't already. All right. So uh, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter at Matt And subscribe to Something Got Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us. One of us is going to be here Tuesday, Wednesday. One of us is going to be Thursday. I forget which is which. I'm, but... I'm, tom- I'm tomorrow. You're Thursday. And I might, might have a special guest. No promises, but I might. Mm. All right. And we will talk to you then. <laughs>